happy October, folks. Hey. It's <laughs> good. We're into autumn. I know. And it's definitely fall here. Like it's a high of 12 today. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not good. I've got a candle burning. I've got a spiced pumpkin latte and yeah, I'm feeling very autumnal. I went around to Anna's house last night and, um, the, the smell was just like pure autumn. <laughs> like when you go into one of those candle shops and it's just like, we've changed all of our stock to autumn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, whereas my house always smells like cat poo. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I offered you like about eight different varieties of tea as well. I'm typically British like that, but you were just like, <laughs> I'll just have a hot squash, please. <laughs> a hot squash? Yeah. Hot cordial. This is what what you have when you're not very well. So you just you just like blast it out with alcohol. Is that is that the deal? No. Oh no no. It's like uh, you you put a little bit in water and it makes makes the water flavor. Concentrated fruit juice. I see. So I, I you just have that, but hot. <gasps> oh wait, is it that is it that stuff that Do you, you not have squash? No, <laughs> they don't have squash in America. No no no. What? Mind blown. Squash is a gourd. It's not a butternut squash, no. <laughs> okay, was it an acorn squash? Like, there's a lot of varieties of squash, Matt. When I lived in Canada, I, I was like, what? They don't have squash? And then I Googled squash, and it was like it didn't exist. Oh, my God. Because <gasps> I was in Canada. It was searching on Google.ca. So you were having, like, live Mandela effect. You were like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> what has happened? It's like the government has completely coordinated to remove squash from the internet. So it's not even like it's called something different. It just doesn't exist. Do you know what it's called? It's called Water Enhancer. That doesn't sound nice, does it? And it's always, like, really bright. Like, you know how Ribena has, like, a dull colour to it? Mm. Like, the, the, the American stuff has, like, it's, like, bright blue. Luminous blue. <laughs> a world without Ribena. Look at this. Ribena black currant concentrate. This stuff looks amazing. Yeah. Look at that. Exactly. It's really good. How can you live without Ribena? <laughs> amazing. So the New York Times reports that Facebook's suspension of quote, tens of thousands of apps reveals wider privacy issues. Following an investigation into Cambridge Analytica scandal, Facebook has said that it has suspended tens of thousands of apps for improperly sucking up users' personal information. The New York Times reads this as a tacit admission that the scale of its data privacy issues was far larger than it had previously acknowledged. Uh, they had originally disclosed a suspension of 400 apps back in August of 2018, but now this is sort of after after some unsealed court documents, we find that it's it's upwards of like 70,000 apps. And a lot of them were terminated because the developers didn't cooperate with Facebook's investigation, but uh, about 10,000 were flagged for potentially misappropriating personal data from Facebook users. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it doesn't doesn't look good. That's a, that's a lot of apps as well. It, I mean, it just speaks to the, the idea of what the platform is in that. You know, people share their most intimate things when they really shouldn't do to Facebook. But like, it's that idea that Facebook is a treasure trove of, of people that enter in data that you can then sell. And I think it just attracts app, apps like this. Yeah. Two billion people as well. Yeah. It's a lot of people. <laughs> it's funny because like the, one of the things it says uh, in the article is that this disclosure renews questions about whether people's personal information on Facebook is secure. No, it doesn't. 
people's personal information on Facebook is not secure. Like uh, 100% anything that you put on that site is not secure. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what the privacy settings that you put on your post are uh, about the three hairballs that your cat coughed up this week. That is not secure. The uh, senator for uh, Oregon, Ron Wyden, said that Facebook put up a neon sign that said free private data and let app developers have their fill of Americans' personal info. Uh, the FTC needs to hold Mark Zuckerberg personally responsible. Have either of you seen The Great Hack on Netflix? No. I have not seen that yet. Well, yeah, I caught the end of it uh, about a week ago. It does... I say the end of it because me and my partner Dan, we promised that we were going to sit down and watch it together, but one day I came downstairs and he was already like halfway through. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I only caught like the last sort of 20 minutes, but that kind of deep dives into Cambridge Analytica a lot more and oh it just reminded me about just how awful it all was and it's crazy that stuff is still coming out about it now yeah it's it's pretty nuts let's switch over to talk about Facebook and and WhatsApp and it's deal in uh in the UK with with the US yeah this is this is an interesting one so a while back we we talked about how they are calling it end-to-end encryption but actually they've got some filters on the device that they can flag certain accounts and and basically send stuff to the server unencrypted. So they can, you know, flag certain messages and and stuff like that. And they started off using it for, you know, moderating and and stuff like that. And so now they've come out and said that actually they're going to use it um, because it's not a backdoor. (laughs) <laughs> they they you know they they go to all the attempts of calling it not a backdoor and and you know this is a, a legal requirement in certain things and yeah they're, they're basically flagging um individuals su- suspected of serious criminal offenses and i guess it's down to the police and stuff to decide what is a serious criminal offense um but yeah this thing uh, basically i'm gonna call it bypass it rather than a backdoor i think it, it bypasses uh, any meaningful encryption on on Facebook and WhatsApp side? Yeah, this is not this is not great. This I also feel is the beginning of a very slippery slope. Yeah. It really is. Oh, gosh, this is going to set precedent for other other types of legislation around this. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It, it used to be the kind of thing that you'd need a warrant for, and I I think now you just need to be suspected, which is is such a a, a strange word. Yeah, like. You can suspect anybody of anything, to be honest. So in a statement, Facebook said, we oppose government attempts to build backdoors because they would undermine the privacy and security of our users everywhere. Government policies like the Cloud Act allow for companies to provide available information when we receive valid legal requests and do not require companies to build backdoors. I mean, I'd argue that they've built the backdoor themselves. Yeah. Right. They've built the machine that says this is this account. We're going to send this unencrypted to the server. That to me is a bypass, a backdoor or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Like they're doing that themselves. I just wonder how long it is until the news article reads person inside Facebook flagged wife's WhatsApp account yeah, and got stuff sent to him that, that bypasses the end-to-end encryption. Because, I mean, that's that's what they've done, right? Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've bypassed it and built their own backdoor. It's just that only they could use it and they could send stuff to other people. So, I don't know. 
we're, we're going down a rabbit hole of, of what ifs, but um, the what if has been opened by Facebook themselves, I believe. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, the BBC has asked pen test partners to look into a range of Internet of Things products. So for those that don't know, the Internet of Things is basically uh, devices in your house that wouldn't typically connect to the Internet, but could be internet enabled for instance your toaster or your fridge or in in this particular case uh the lock on your front door and so you know this is sort of a, a new relatively new market uh, of of products things that are coming out and and can connect to the internet and then have apps on your smartphone and and, and whatnot uh and so they said, well, let's let's take a look at some of the security things and see how it is. And so they asked uh, this this company, Pentest Partners, to take a look at uh, the proficiency of the Pine World Lock from Amazon. Really interesting thing here is that, like, what I would expect the attack to be is like, you know, it, it comes with a pin, Wi-Fi, RFID, and fingerprint. Right. Like all the electronic attack service that you could use. Yep. And yet. He immediately just went to see where the bolt right. was. Exactly. Which is like, <laughs> right. of course, like that's what anyone, any quote unquote common criminal is going to do. Like, oh, okay. Can I just break into this thing and, you know, <laughs> physically? Sure. Great. And so that's what he ended up doing. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, his, his, his first thought was like, I wonder if this uses you know, magnets to, to hold things in place. And I wonder whether I can do that. And, you know, it turns out that it actually had like a, a motor. So, it, you know, it, it was it was protected in some ways. But, I mean, really all he ended up doing was drilling a, a tiny hole in the side of it and putting a screwdriver in to push the motor up and then it unlocked the door. And I, I would say that would, you know, it would, realistically that would be 10 seconds, right? And, and I, I think all the people that are manufacturing these locks are thinking along the lines that I was which was let's let's secure this thing electronically but actually like if if you look on the the lock that I've got on my door which like it's probably like 60 70 years old it it's like a proper you know aluminium plated front thing that you can't drill like and i i think people are replacing that type of thing for um unfortunately these uh, fancy looking fingerprint locks yeah i'm the same i've got a pretty old house and a pretty old lock i think it's just a yale lock but i would trust that like any day over this smart lock yeah it's 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 a really interesting thing to to kind of look at it from a, a pen test point of view because it was it was so quick that that you could get into one of these things and and 140 quid it's not it's not cheap so we had a really interesting interview this week uh, with John Rampton, the founder of Calendar.com. Um, he is a business user of 1Password, and uh, we wanted to find out you know, how he uses it and what he's up to. So joining us today, we have John Rampton. John is the founder of Calendar.com. He has often been described as a serial entrepreneur. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, what, you know, where, what, what's your background? Where might have people heard of you from? What's, what's sort of your, what's your history? Yeah. I mean, my history, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur ever since a young age. You know, I was the kid with the lemonade stand slash candy stand. And that's been kind of built in my DNA. I, you might've heard of me online. I, I blog a lot. So I write about some of my, uh, 
you know, successes and most commonly about my epic failures in life of starting businesses, growing them and, you know, epically failing along the way, which, you know, is the part of many entrepreneur and business owners lifestyles. So I write for Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc., Forbes, TechCrunch, Mashable, CNN, a few other places. Wow. So you are you are all over the place. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I, I tend to, uh, you know, just I, I like writing about things, you know, real life situations and real life struggles that I've had to know that, you know, you as a business owner, you person reading this, listening to this are not alone. Like there's people who have been there before. So with data clearly being very important to you, you know, with with all these businesses that you that you run, um, you know, calendar.com especially, do you have like any set password policies at work? Do you have any kind of security practices that you that you generally do? I have a couple different companies and organizations that I'm a part of and keeping track of my passwords is always a complete nightmare. You know, for all of our people, we require two-factor authentication. Uh, I feel that's good practice. Anybody not practicing that, you really should. Um, we require unique passwords and passwords to be changed about every uh, six months, but we encourage it every couple months. You know, no using the exact same password for everything. I think it's general practices. We use one password. I mean, it's great for our team. It's easy to add things, to share access with team members, to keep literally track of all your passwords in one place. It is so hard to remember, especially when you're not creating unique passwords uh, or when you're creating unique passwords for, you know, all these different things. And then every time you have to change it, you know, every three, six, 12 months, you're changing a password, you know, it becomes kind of a nightmare to remember all of them. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Uh, you know, it's it's always interesting to hear from from our business users. And it's only three, maybe four years that we've that we've kind of had a business product. And, you know, we're always very focused on the the kind of end user, right? The, the person, the employee using it, you know, all, all that that end user stuff. And then we have a different part of the organization, really, inside one password that is responsible for the kind of administrating features. And, and you know, we, we launched some very recently called Advanced Protection. Um, I don't, don't know whether you've had time to explore that yet, but essentially what you can do with that is is enforce this kind of two-factor stuff, right, on the OnePassword account itself, um, which is kind of neat. We do. We use it. We we literally force uh, every person in our company to do that. Nice, yeah. How did you begin to set up OnePassword with your organization? Do you have a vault per area in the company? You know, what, what kind of, um, how do you break down the information and, and the access? So we break it down into different companies and slash or teams, so sometimes we'll have a team and we'll put a password together for a specific team and then we'll put a separate one together for the company. Um, I have multiple different companies, some that I've invested in that they give me access to things. Uh, you know, for example, I started calendar.com. We have a calendar.com vault, a calendar.com marketing vault, a calendar.com sales vault. But I also have a company called Do where we have a, a vault for that. I actually have a vault with my wife and me about like family things. And then we have like a financial vault that, you know, only certain privy people are access to. So we have many different vaults and share it. It's also really, really nice too for password management when you're doing different vaults. For example, we had one employee just up and through a major problem and just quit all of a sudden and was like semi-malicious. Well, we knew every single 
password that we needed to change because it was associated with a general vault. And obviously we cut them off and that, but you, you know, it, it's just another reminder of here's everything in there that you need to protect. Yeah. That's, that's always a, you know, a, a very valid kind of thing in, in businesses is people can get upset and, you know, the access that you give them can always be turned against you. Yeah. We have things like, um, access reports as well. Yeah. I mean, one, uh, the great thing about it for us though, is when that did happen, we knew every, like a lot of times you share things with employees and then you lose track of what you shared access to. But this is like a physical reminder. Here is the 22 things that you need to change passwords to. And that guarantees they will not have access to anything else. Yeah, nice. I, I, I know I could, uh, I could sleep better like that. Yeah, it was just like that confidence. We went and changed every single one of them, just updated it in one password. It was super, super easy. But it was like a checklist of, oh, we need to do all these things for us which I never had previously. You know, we, we actually had used a couple of the competitors to one password in the past. And there were certain things that, that didn't happen that we were able to have with one password. Again, not being like, oh, my word, these guys are, you know, this or trying to promote your product. But truly, we have tried like most of the competition and it just does not stack up. That is, uh, yeah, that's lovely to hear. Um, is there anything kind of, in the day-to-day that you use, uh, uh, you know, of, of 1Password that's kind of made the security elements of your business easier? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it is like, it's just those sharing those passwords, being able to easily do this, easily do that, keep track of who's logging in where, when, how, as well as like just keeping, I mean, we literally use this as kind of like our CRM for every single password all of our credit cards are stored in there so we can, you know, have all those. It's easy. Just like one click, it populates all the information. I mean, literally, we use it dozens of time every single day for every single person. It's always an interesting question to ask because, um, you know, m- most people, once they get set up with 1Password and they're kind of using it a lot, maybe they get told to use it by their IT department or something like that. It's weird how you kind of don't realize how much you access it on a daily basis, right? It kind of just, it sits there in the background. And that's one thing that we've always struggled with a bit, you know, to to be completely transparent. As a business, being an app that sits in the background and just helps you log into other things, like we want you to be in and out of 1Password as, as quickly as possible to grab the details that you need. So, you know, when we do things like we try to tell you about what's new and and tell you about what's improved or we redesign something and, and we kind of, I don't know, we, we step, slightly to the side of of your you know what you want to do immediately it's always quite difficult balancing the act of when to tell a a user that we have an update or when to tell them that we have a a new feature or something and you know not stepping in the way of them logging in and, and getting things quickly i think that's for every business though it's like you don't want to disrupt what the user why they love and use their product but you do want to integrate new features where you're like hey, this new thing could actually make your life a lot easier and a lot more secure. Uh, I mean, we have that with Calendar all the time when we're releasing new features and we'll release it. And sometimes there's an uproar of people who are like, oh, that button is on the opposite side of the screen now. And we're like, well, actually, like if you click on the screen before, like where you go in, it's literally like right below where you click. We're just making it more convenient. People just get used to it. So 
it's all it's always an interesting balancing act rude do you want to take the next one <laughs> which where are we matt which where, where did we talking about that? how handsome i was but um oh okay so john have you found that that being handsome has been something that is is sort of been sort of ever present in your life or was there like a time when you didn't know that you were handsome and then uh the, the realization hit you i guess is sort Back of in 1993 that's so specific and uh this was in actually october 8th and uh jennifer who was sitting next to me in class reached over and wrote me a note and she's like you are so good looking and i was like Thank you. That's when it really dawned upon me. I went in the bathroom immediately, looked at my hair to make sure it was perfect. And, uh, you know, it was almost at that moment when I realized like, wow, you are definitely a six out of 10. (laughs) Oh God, please, Rue, do not respond to this because I feel like this could go backwards and forwards for like at least an hour because this is how Rue derails meetings too. Well, no, so hang on. No, I know. I feel it's, I feel it's important because I sort of had this, I, I had a similar experience. And, and what I found is that after after the realization that I was in fact handsome, you knew Ashley too. Yes, same same thing. And and what I found is sort of looking back from that point, I was like, oh, so many more things make sense now, right? Like things just sort of clicked in, and it's like, oh, that's why that's why my life is so good. Um, it really comes down to looks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so has one password changed anything about? your company culture, your processes, your attitudes towards privacy and security? I mean, it's changed a lot of things. So it's in our sign-up process. So when we're onboarding a new employee, it is actually part of our onboarding step. So it's like, okay, you create them an email account, you put them, get them set up in one password, you get them set up on Slack, you get them set up here. It is actually part of our onboarding process and it goes out and is assigned, we assign it through Asana, to the proper channels to make sure that they have access to the proper vaults. So for sure, part of our sign-up process, and we even do like we have assigned out a 30-minute training to each new employee that comes on board to know how to use it, ask questions, be able to find things easy, be able to log in, be able to set things up, do things. So for sure, part of our our overall company and onboarding, because it's such like a part like passwords, we have a million of them. We encourage people, hey, like if you're setting a new password, we do require these be changed every now and then. So make sure you're updating it in one password so that you have a correct updated vault of all the things you're working on. Also, like most of our things are shared. A lot of our logins since, you know, we're putting out a lot of content. We're doing this. We're working with partners. We're working with this. Like uh, there's a lot of shared accounts. Um, So we definitely have to share a lot of those things. That is one thing that I have found passwords and and accounts that you need to share across uh, multiple people so much in that kind of aspect. Yeah. Well, it's also nice too, for not forgetting, like even like on a personal level, I add a lot of my personal things like the electricity bill. And then from a business account, it's like, oh, the Twitter account, how many different people in my company are logging in to tweet some random thing out or retweet something or do something. So makes it makes it valuable from a personal level and a business level. Do you know what I started doing recently? I have loads of logins for the different airlines. What I started doing recently was adding in the carbon footprint to each one so I can buy trees to make myself not feel that guilty. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I like that a lot. One of the, the things that we find 
working at one password is that there are certain things that are ingrained in the culture here that um like if anyone were to sort of step outside the bounds of it, it would immediately be sort of corrected for instance you will never catch anyone here sending a password in slack it just won't ever it just won't happen and if someone were to do it we'd be like hey don't don't do that like we have an app for that please don't do that it's something that i've always wondered about companies that use one password do you find yourself at that level of sort of uh, like certain things cause red flags and you're like, uh, please use one password for this? Yes and no. I think it's more, I mean, you guys are obviously, you work for the company, it's ingrained in your culture. I think the opposite is true of everybody else. People are just used to sending things over text message, sending things over Slack, over Skype, over all these different communications of messaging versus now it's like, oh, add it to one pass and I can log in. And it'll just automatically add it to my shared vault with you. And then it authenticates me and I can get in there very, very easily. So I think over time, it will become more of a thing. Also, like I feel a generational thing where passwords, you know, for example, my mother was very hesitant to get on one password in the very beginning. And it was something where just like, hey, you really have to do it. Now she like loves and saves everything. But there was that like two or three month period where we semi had to force that person to use it. And once they realized the value of it and how keeping track of everything and doing everything will save them time, energy, and like it will keep track of everything, you know, it becomes ingrained in their lives. I think more the millennial and younger, it's like, oh, yeah, we trust services like this. We know it's far greater than, you know, putting it other places and that security component. But again, it's a training thing. We just have to train our minds to think a little bit differently. Yeah, my mom still doesn't trust the app. (laughs) Everything that I add there, she will still write it down somewhere. (laughs) Do you have any final tips for kind of increasing your productivity online or any other security tips? Productivity, I could go for hours on. So we, I mean, from a security (laughs) standpoint, I would really encourage your teams to get like everything in order, kind of your house in order. It'll take you a little bit of time to figure it out, know where to add vaults, know how to use the system. But once you use it, I mean, it saves me, I would genuinely say 10 to 15 minutes a day in not having to type in passwords or remember them or look them up. So I'd highly recommend that. My next big tip would be make sure to start requiring your people not to use a standard pass. Like if you look at some of the passwords, it's like 50 of the exact same password. It doesn't set yourself up for success long term. Sites do get hacked. And if you have the exact same password for every single one of these things, like you can go on the dark web and buy passwords And that's an easy way for people to access some of your really important things that you don't want out there. So make sure you have different passwords. And again, keep track of them all in one place. Change them often. Yeah, I mean, the change them often advice is always kind of interesting. One thing that that someone said to me was like, you know, I I can't really... I can't really keep up on all these, you know, data breaches of how old this password is, who I've shared it with and all this kind of stuff. And actually, like I go through and, and in 1Password, you can actually sort by by how old a password is. And and sometimes, you know, I, I just like to change the ones because so much time has passed between me creating it that actually I don't know what I've done with that, who I've shared that with since. I would also say like, you know, a good rule of thumb is every six months change the passwords that are important to you. 
So if you're logging into something all the time and it's very important, I would change that password about every six months. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And it's um, it's great to hear how much you love the product. Uh, is, is there anywhere where people might want to follow you or, or uh, look you up? Yeah. I, I mean, I have my personal site that I blog on just johnrampton.com. Uh, you know, obviously my company calendar, you can find us at calendar.com. I'm also on Twitter a lot. So at John Rampton. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, John. No, thank you, Anna, especially. Aww. You're the one, you know, forget these other two guys, <laughs> you know, your questions. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's because I'm going to cut you to make you sound good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was a suck up thing. Did it work? Listen, th- thanking the editor is not ever a bad idea. So good job. That is very true. Are we ready for what the phrase? I think we are. Yeah, for sure. So this week we have a suggestion from Adam Pike on our team, um, and he's chosen a Newfoundland phrase, which is a bit of a tongue twister. It is long may your big jib draw. Oh, I, I was then Googling where it was. And what I've come up with is dogs, just lots of dogs. Yeah, well, it's a type of dog. Yeah. Anyway, this one's this one's easy, right? This is basically like, may the wind be at your back. Like, may you have pleasant journeys. Like, may may you always uh, sort of have good vibes and, and good luck going forward. 500,000 people live in Newfoundland. <laughs> 479,000. Uh, huh. I'm not even going to get Matt to attempt to say it because, Rue, you have it. You got it right. That's right. I did. I wasn't even paying attention what the phrase was. Sorry. <laughs> it's God, you're the worst. It's a sailing. Uh, it's, it's a sailing reference. It is. So it means may you always have good fortune. But being an island province, there's a lot of nautical traditions. The gist mm-hmm. is that a jib is a sail. So the more literal translation is may you always have wind in your sails. So, Rue, you are spawned. That's right, I was. I'm going to retire from what the phrase, by the way. That was it. That was my, I'm going out on a high note. Uh, thank you, everyone. That's it. <laughs> Do you want me to clap or? No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, if you've bow. got the party blowers around, you can oh, you can okay. uh, give it a little toot on that. But otherwise, no, we're fine. <laughs> Amazing. Well, listen, this has been a fun episode. Uh, you too. Love you, Anna. Love you, Matt. Love you, bye. Love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>